of doing nothing with complaining and arguing. And it's like, is that even possible? When I feel so annoyed and impatient and aggravated. And so as I wrestled with that, as I thought about that, my mind was drawn to another scripture, an encounter that Jesus had with ten men. And I want to talk about these ten lepers that are, it's found in Luke 17 and their response to Jesus. And their response to Jesus was one of gratitude, or at least the one who came back. And I want to talk about that a little bit because I believe that gratitude is probably the best antidote for complaining that you'll ever find because it gives us a totally different perspective. So I want to read these verses from, um, from Luke 17, and then we'll, we'll make our way through these. Luke 17, if you want to follow along, it's in verses 11 down through 19. And I'm reading from the ESV. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So the question that, or one of the questions I want us to consider today is, how do I, or what is a heart of gratitude? And I say a heart of gratitude because I think it's more than just a mere uh, saying thank you just kind of in passing, but it's something that changes deep within our hearts, and gratitude itself leads us to some place. And that's where I want to end up today is gratitude, when it flows from our heart, it leads us to a place of worship. <clears throat> now, when I talk about gratitude and this need to be grateful people, what I don't want you to hear me saying is I'm not trying to minimize in any way some of the losses that some of us, that many of us have experienced especially even just during this last um, this, this stay-at-home um, time. So when I was preparing for this and we were talking about it at home, Jenna's sitting here so she's laughing at me. Um, I, I, we were talking about this and Jenna said, so surely seniors are exempt from this idea of gratitude. And she was, she was kidding, of course, but I think, so seniors... There is a loss that's been experienced. Um, I have, I have a, a close friend who lost his father. They couldn't even have a funeral. They had just um, a graveside service and a memorial planned later on. Um, weddings that have been put off or totally changed. There's so many things that, that have been a loss. And I think we need to recognize those and give, and give recognition to them and allow those things to be grieved. But at the same time, I don't think it dismisses us from this idea of being grateful people. 
Gratitude does so many things for us on a psychological level, but also on a physical level. Studies have shown that gratitude will greatly affect your own mood. It's shown that expressing and receiving thanks releases dopamine and serotonin in your brain. Those are the hormones that make up your emotions. They're the feel-good hormones in your body. It also affects us physically. Dr. Caroline Leaf says in her research, says that being thankful increases longevity of life. Think about that. It increases our ability to use our imaginations and increases our ability to problem-solve. And I would add, it also helps us keep the circumstances in our lives in perspective, even when they're less than ideal. So why is it so hard to be grateful? Why is it so hard to be thankful? Maybe that's not a struggle for you, but it is for me. So one of the reasons, perhaps, that we find it so difficult to be grateful people is that we live in a culture that tends to be very entitled. There's a psychologist, Chuck DeGroat, who's done some interesting research on some of this in, on some of this information about why we're not grateful people. And it's it's an incredible when you look at research from the 1950s, then starting with the baby boomer generation, this I'm going to call it a feeling of entitlement. It's this idea of being self-absorbed. We're all about ourselves. From the baby boomer generation and all the way up through um, to today, it's been a growing phenomenon in our culture, in our world. I think that's really interesting to stop and think about. We don't have a lot of time to spend on that. But suffice it to say that we have all grown up with incredible prosperity, comfort. We've grown up with luxury and ease, lives of ease, that in a lot of ways, perhaps there's very few cultures or generations in history have experienced. Those are all things I'm incredibly grateful for. But I think we need to be careful because it also brings with it this mentality or idea, or it can bring with it, that we deserve it, that it's something that we're entitled to. I have a whole list here that I'm not going to go through, but sometime take a look. Just do some research on advertising. Advertisements feed this entitlement. They know exactly what buttons to push. The idea, the word deserve, what you deserve, and how that comes into play in their advertising, it, it's, it's everywhere. And you can just do some research and find that for yourself. But we hear it so much that I think perhaps in our subconscious minds, we begin to start believing it. And the interesting thing about it, about this entitlement mentality or culture, if you will, is it's easy to spot in someone else. It's easy for us to see that in someone else's life. We blame the millennials for this all the time. But perhaps the hardest thing to do is to identify it in our own lives, in our own hearts. Think of, think of how you respond when something does not go as you planned, as you expect, or as you had hoped. How do you respond? How about snow in May? Unbelievable. That could make me so grouchy. 
because corn should be growing, we should be doing hay, vegetables should be growing, and everything just sits there covered in snow. So why does that aggravate me so much? I think that I'd suggest to us today that perhaps one of the greatest hindrances to having a heart of gratitude is this feeling that we're entitled to what makes us feel good and what brings us gratification, instant gratification. So what does all that have to do with the ten lepers? Well, what kept coming back to my mind, what I want you to think about is, does this entitlement mentality, does that spill over into our spiritual lives? Do we encounter, do we come to Jesus with that same kind of mentality? There's three things that I just want to point out briefly about the lepers and where we need to start, but then we'll look at the two different responses from um, the, the, the ten lepers, <clears throat> and we'll see. I want us to find ourselves in one of those places. You see, uh, to develop or to grow a heart of gratitude within ourselves, the first thing we need to do is be like the lepers, and we need to recognize that we have a need. You see, a leper was completely at the mercy of his disease. There was no cure for his leprosy. There was nothing that he could do to ease that or to make that go away. And we all know, back, well, back in Leviticus, God had, even Jesus, God had given the command that anyone who had leprosy, anyone who had a skin disease, was forced to move outside of the camp until or if they became clean. So imagine with me the life of a leper. So a leper... So first of all, leprosy itself wastes away your body. Um, it's a terrible, terrible disease. But I wonder if that was even the worst part of it. So imagine if you're a father and you have leprosy or some skin disease. You're going to be forced to leave your family. You're going to be forced to leave your job, your livelihood, your community. And you're going to be forced to go live at a place where only lepers can live. What about a child? You're going to be taken from home. Your child will be taken from your home. You're going to be forced to leave. The child will be forced to leave mother, father, and is going to go live in a community with strangers who are afflicted with the same disease. And so I think that perhaps maybe one of the worst parts of this disease, this leprosy, what these ten lepers were living with, was this isolation from community, isolation from family, isolation from those they loved, and even their jobs and their ability to care for themselves. And on top of that was heaped this identity that was placed on them of being unclean. Everywhere they went, if they came into contact or anywhere where other people were, they'd have to cry out, unclean, unclean. And people would do everything they could to avoid you. No one would come anywhere close to you. Can you imagine how demoralizing that would be? How psychologically, the psychological impact of that? You're devoid of dignity and value in society? That's the life that these ten lepers have been living. They have a need, and you and I have a need deep in our hearts that only Jesus can meet. Because remember, there's no cure for leprosy. 
There is no cure for the longing deep within our hearts other than Jesus. As a side note, isn't it interesting how Jesus always ends up in these places where lepers, where the cast-outs of society are? Think about the woman at the well. Jesus constantly, always was going to places where everyone else did their absolute best to avoid. Not only did he go to those places, he, always, he also saw those people with different eyes. So as he's going into this village, these ten guys are standing out in the distance because they can't come close, and they're simply crying out for mercy from Jesus. And verse 14 is such a beautiful picture of how Jesus lived and how I believe he calls us as his followers to live. It says, Jesus saw them. And I think that's significant because Jesus did not see them as the outcasts of society that everyone else saw. Jesus did not see them as a nuisance or someone to be avoided. He saw someone with dignity and value. He saw them with eyes of love. He saw them with eyes of compassion. And then in just a very unspectacular way, he simply tells them to go show themselves to the priest. The only reason a leper ever had to go show himself to a priest was to see if he was actually pronounced clean or, clean or cleansed or not. A priest could pronounce them clean and they could go back and live the life that they had lived before. And it says that as they went, they were healed. They were healed physically. But not only were they healed physically, they were released, released from the shame and disgrace that had held them captive for so many years. Jesus comes and he enters into our brokenness, into our messed up world, into our messed up lives, and he sees us. And he invites us into something much more beautiful. He frees us. He gives us dignity, value. He gives us identity as sons and daughters of Christ, of God. And so the question is, how do I respond? How do you respond? How did the lepers respond? There's two different responses and I want you to think about where you find yourself in that. Because I know where I find myself in most cases, but I know where I want to find myself, and I pray that God would take us all there. So a heart of gratitude is one that gives voice to its gratitude. So we only have record of one man actually giving voice, of th giving thanks putting words to it in his response to Jesus. So were the other nine men not grateful? Were they just arrogant, stuck up? Were they, why, why couldn't they come back and say thank you to Jesus? And Jesus actually gives us a hint of sadness in verses 17 and 18. As you read that, you get this, this hint of sadness in Jesus' voice that only one guy came back. Where were the other nine? So there's all kinds of different possibilities, I guess. It could be that they were simply arrogant and ungrateful. 
I find that kind of hard to believe. Beings that how they had cried out for mercy. Maybe they simply forgot. As they were going, they saw they were clean, and in their excitement, they just took off for the priests and completely forgot about this idea of saying thank you. Or perhaps they simply saw Jesus as a means to an end. It wouldn't be the first time that that has happened to Jesus. When Jesus fed the 5,000, how many of those people, Jesus said, they follow me because their stomachs are filled. But when it came right down to laying down their lives for the sake of Jesus, they all walked away, they all turned away. Jesus was, had simply become a means to a desired end. So remember everything that these lepers have lost. They have lost their dignity, they've lost their community, their family, their businesses, their jobs, they've lost their respect in society. And I wonder, I can't help but believe that they were grateful. I can't see how you couldn't be grateful after having been healed of such a terrible disease but in their haste to simply return back to life that was normal, the life that they knew before they were inflicted with this this disease, they missed perhaps the greatest blessing in it. They missed the intimacy that Jesus was inviting us into. They missed the healing, perhaps on a much deeper spiritual level, that Jesus was also inviting them to. And if I'm honest, I wonder if this isn't where I often find myself, and perhaps you find yourself there as well. And perhaps this is where these feelings of entitlement, that this is what we deserve, I have a right to live in this little cocoon of comfort, perhaps this is where that carries into our spiritual lives. We want Jesus simply as a means to bring comfort into our lives, How many times has this happened to you? It's happened to me all the time. It it does way too much. But we pray when we're in the midst of something difficult. We cry out to God. We pray and we ask God to come in and intervene into the trial that we're going through or the, the, the negative, rotten circumstance that we're in. And as soon as we're relieved from the tension or the pressure of that circumstance or that trial, we just go right back to normal and we just almost forget about Jesus? Do we simply want Jesus in our lives to get us through the hard stuff so that we can live in ease? And as soon as life is running smoothly again, we forget about Jesus. Jesus longs for much more, and a heart of gratitude will bring us to a place of much more, a much deeper and a more intimate relationship. Which brings me to my last point here. A heart of gratitude, and I want you to, this is what I want us to remember the most. A heart of gratitude leads to a place of worship. Notice the one guy who came back to Jesus. Notice where he ends up. He ends up on his face at the feet of Jesus in worship, in praise, and in thanksgiving. I think it's just, it's a picture of, of heartfelt gratitude. It's a picture of worship from the heart. And if you read down the very, the very last phrase in that, that section of verses, it says, your faith has made you well. And when you, if you do um, some searching research on that word well, it has to do 
with your spiritual life, your physical, be- your physical being being healed, but your spiritually you have been made whole. And this is what I believe that this man experienced that perhaps the other nine did not. Because in his gratitude and in his gratefulness, it brought him to the feet of Jesus in true worship from his heart. I think it's interesting to note, just as maybe a side note, but Jesus points it out. He says that this guy was a Samaritan who was an outcast in the Jewish world. He was a foreigner and he was a leper. This guy had three strikes against him right from the very, very get-go. He was an outcast in society. Jesus saw something in him. Jesus saw dignity and value. How do we treat those who we think in society are outcasts, who are the, the not famous, not popular, not wealthy? How do we view them? Do we see them as Jesus did? Why does Jesus feel it's necessary to point that out? Think about that. A guy who recognized from his heritage to his disease, he had nothing to bring to Jesus. All he had to do, or all he could bring to Jesus was a cry for mercy. And I ask us if we're any different but it brings this one guy, this Samaritan, this leper, it brings him to a place of worship at the feet of Jesus. And I want you to think about worship, what worship does in your life. When we come to a place of worshiping Jesus, because I believe that worship shifts our focus from ourselves, it shifts our focus from our circumstances, and it puts it on God, and it gives us a completely different perspective of our world, of our lives, no matter what our circumstances are. But worship is also not only for what God has done for us, but we also worship Jesus or worship God because of who He is. And I want us to remember that when we are truly grateful in our heart and we bring that gratitude to Jesus. It will change something deep within us and we will be moved to worship God for who He is. So how does that happen in our lives? It's going to be different for all of us, I think. But let me give you just some two things um, that I've experienced in my own life. And one of those is, this is um, this I borrowed from, from Dr. Leaf. Dr. Caroline Leaf, is when you feel perhaps angry, anxious, you feel depression coming on, one of the things that we can do that can simply help our minds become at ease and it can bring our focus back to God is take three minutes. It's so simple. Take three minutes. Spend one minute in thanksgiving. Spend one minute in praise and one minute in worship. Thanksgiving, praise, and worship. So simple, and yet it's so powerful in our lives. And the worship that I'm talking about here is where we simply take our focus off of self, off of circumstances, and in our mind's eye, we turn our eyes to Jesus, and we see Him for who He is in all His splendor, 
in all his majesty and glory. So there's one. Another just super practical thing that we can do to develop a heart of gratitude is to simply make a list of things that you're thankful for. When I was, when I was talking about this, and I actually put this into practice in my own life, and then I find out that many of you ladies from Providence are already doing this, and I think that's awesome. But us men need it too. Uh, we really do. So the, the one day I simply sat down, and in five minutes I had listed out like 30 different things that I'm thankful for. You name it. Things from books to church family to technology. I wrote down, thankful for our loving Heavenly Father. The ability to read for night skies. I wrote down, I thank you, thankful that God delights in me. He delights in you. But I want you to take it one step further than just writing it out. I want you to take that list that you write out and in the quietness of your own space, I want you to read that or pray through that in thanksgiving to God and see what it does to your heart. It will move your heart from a place of self-focus to a place of true worship of our Savior. So two practical things that you can be thinking about in this next week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you have done in our lives. Thank you for the work that you do in each one of our hearts. And God, we recognize our desperation, our deep need of you as our Savior, the one we love and the one we cherish. And God, we want to come to you with hearts that are filled with gratitude. We want to live lives that take the focus off of ourselves and turn our focus on you and how you loved the people around you so that we can in turn love each other better than we have in the past. So God, move us to that place of where our hearts are truly in worship of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just a reminder that next Sunday, we'll see you all here, sitting here. It was really cool today. Standing up here, there was actually a few people scattered throughout here, back there waving. That's really cool. But I'm excited to see all of you here as we can worship together again next Sunday. Thank you.